These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cinema A to B, where I and Ben discuss movies. It's fun, and you get to watch and listen. So today we're going to be talking about the 1994 sleeper hit, The Shawshank Redemption. Um, Definitely the sleeper hit. It took many years. But, Ben, we're going to hit back on this great old movie. What are your thoughts? This is the one. This is – so I I rearranged my top ten recently, Mm. and – if somebody hasn't done this and is listening, I highly, highly, I cannot stress enough how important it is for a movie lover to create and revise their 10 favorite films. The order is not as important as figuring out and settling on 10 movies. Mm. And I might get into why that I feel like that's important later, but for the sake of brevity and getting into this movie right now, at this moment in time, my number one favorite film is the Shawshank Redemption. Um, that's kind of been a recent shuffle. It was always top three or four, but I think a lot of it is kind of my age and some stuff's kind of got moved around. So mm-hmm. this thing is, I think it's a perfect film and, and I don't, there aren't that many that I could say that about. I, I literally do. I think this is, this is one of the handful of movies that is perfect in every way mm-hmm. from, from who they've cast, who directed, the source material, the cinematography, the pacing structure. It has one of my favorite endings of all time in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's probably a top three, three or four ending. So for me, this thing kind of has it all, except it doesn't really have, instead of a traditional romance, it has it has probably the best bromance mm-hmm. of any movie ever made. So it doesn't, it doesn't have, you know, a traditional romantic element to it. I will watch this anytime it, it randomly shows up. I own it, but anytime it randomly shows up on a cable network, I'll stop and watch. I probably won't watch the whole thing, but I'll I'll at least sit down and watch 20, 30 minutes of it. Yeah. I'm that big of a of a fan of it. And then I'm a big fan of what they term redemptive cinema. And this movie is just it's get it's got it in the title for crying out loud. It's kind of the poster <laughs> child for redemptive cinema. Um, I will watch movies with downer endings. I'm not, I'm not opposed to the downer ending, right? I think there's a place for that. I think there's a place for movies like seven or 12 monkeys. Yeah. But if something that I'm going to go back and watch again and again, for the most part, a lot of them have more redemptive uplifting endings. And I think Shawshank's got one of the best, um, that, that helicopter shot kind of the God shot is what, what they call it on the beach just gets me, gets me right in the feels every, every time. The only other movie that I think emotionally will hit me like that now is probably the end of field of dreams, but that's a different, different beast. It's kind of a different emotion, but yeah, this, this story is incredible. The adaptation is really good based on the fact that it was, you know, the Stephen King source material is a little bit different. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's King has even mentioned this is his favorite adaptation of, of anything he's, he's done. And you can see why the only mind blowing thing is, is like you said, sleeper hit. Yeah. Bombed in the box office. It's a, it's a movie that is It's success now is credited to the home video market. 
Well, and the fact that it was cheap to air on TV. So, you know, those cable yeah. channels would just throw it on at any point because it was dirt, dirt cheap. So it got a wide audience of people who are flipping through the channels. Now, I mean, funny enough, like I have probably seen this movie all the way through from start to finish twice in my life. And that may be even like I may may have only been really once that I've actually really? watched it. Like, yeah, because I mean, it comes on so much that I'm, uh, you know, on TV or we're flipping through. I mean, literally, like three months ago, uh, we we came home from something uh, from uh, overnight weekend, and my buddy was who was house sitting and dog sitting had it on the TV, and the wife and I just sat down and start, we started watching it. Like with commercials, I'm like, I own this movie. Like, literally, we could have just popped it in. We would not have watched it with commercials, but we were just watching it. And that like happens all the time. Like you said, like we didn't watch the whole thing, but we caught 20, 30, you know, maybe an hour of it. Um, and we we came in with my favorite scene. I mean, like I walked down and it, it was the uh, roofing scene where oh, they yeah. tarring That's the roof. my favorite that's, scene too. Yeah, yeah. that's the, absolutely my favorite scene. And so I'm like, oh, I got to watch this. But then it just pulls you in. Like you said, it's not a lot happens, but there's so much relationship building. There's so much kind of story elements that I, it's not, it's not boring ever. Like it's not slow. It doesn't feel slow. It doesn't feel um, ever like it's taking too long. It feels paced really, really well. I actually, in, in prep for this, I actually had to go back and watch the intro again. Cause I couldn't remember exactly how it intros. Mm, yeah. um, and I, and I remember like it would, it's like 10 minutes before we even get the narration from Morgan Freeman because it's like that yeah. full maybe not even 10 minutes but um because it's that full sequence of him getting you know essentially so like the movie like begins but we don't meet its storyteller until you know no. like 10 15 Much minutes later. into the movie yeah. yeah so which I I mean it was a good choice and I liked it I liked it coming from Morgan's perspective and not from Tim Robbins like I felt like that was a really good decision and a really good kind of you know uh artistic choice i haven't read the books i don't know from whose perspective it's told from um if it is or if it's just all third person stuff but i really liked that choice darabont's choice in that yeah and I, you know the one of the great anecdotes it's pretty widely known is that you know the joke is now morgan freeman's you know his nickname they kept his nickname red mm. from the from the source material but in the source material he was scotch irish <laughs> But I love that they, which made sense that his nickname would be Red, but they kept it and cast Morgan Freeman, which was which was a brilliant decision. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you I, remind I can't me of, else no, in that role. no, and you remind me that you know with the narration in this movie, I realized like in my top four or five movies, I think at least three of them are heavily narrated. This hmm. this is one. Goodfellas is another. Oh, that's right. Good. Yeah, and. It's probably not in my top three or four anymore, but but Fight Club obviously has got mm -hmm. heavy narration throughout it as well. And I I knew I knew some people that just loathed movies with uh, with narration, considered it, it a a lazy yeah. a lazy, basically a lazy filmmaking method. And obviously, I completely disagree. I think I think there's a place for it because this movie doesn't ever. They never narrate what you're seeing on screen. They're always adding some other component. I can see where somebody would get annoyed with a movie that narrates literally what you're seeing on screen. It's like, well, what, what's the point of this? Mm -hmm. But there's always there's always more that that Red adds to the situation that he that frankly only he's privy to. You you do you feel like this this third party that's in prison with him. Mm -hmm. 
that's that's kind of been privy to what's going on. And they keep the mystery too. Like I, I like yeah. the fact because like I'm, as you're talking about movies and their narrative, they're just talking about everything. I'm talking, I'm thinking of like Blade Runner, like how that narration is just terrible. Like takes all of kind of the mystery <laughs> and yeah. intrigue, not intrigue, but like like just ruins the film. You know, just just ruin ruins the film. I mean, I know there's people out there who love the narration and Blade Runner, and good good. It's for a you. small group. Yeah, it's, it's a, a small group, group. And, and most of them that was the first the first time they saw it was with narration. And so they were open yeah. to it, but that's widely been rejected now. And yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. back to, uh, yeah, back to, to Shawshank, you know, this, uh, obviously this movie is shot by my favorite cinematographer of all time as well, mm. which is Roger Deakins. Oh, Deakins. Who took forever to, before he like finally won his, his Oscar. I think he's got two now. But I mean, can you imagine the fact he lends he lends this? Hmm. What did he get his Oscar for? His first Remember? one. Yeah. Let me look it up real quick. Um, he finally won in 2018 for Blade Runner 2049, and then he won again two years later for 1917. Oh yeah, yeah. But let me run down the other movies that he <laughs> shot and only won a nom got nominated for Academy Award for. His first nomination for Academy Award for best cinematography was the Shawshank Redemption. Mm -hmm. Doesn't win. Shoots Fargo. Oh, brother, or art thou? <laughs> no country for old men. Holy cow. The same year he's nominated twice in 08 for the, for the no country for old men and the assassination of Jesse James, or the coward, Robert Ford, which I highly recommend people watch that movie. It's, it's a sleeper. It's really good. Brad Pitt gives a killer performance in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, he's nominated for skyfall. Oh, prisoners. That one was beautiful sicario like oh. the list goes on right i mean he's been nominated a dozen times and finally won for blade runner 2049 in 1917 cinematography in shawshank's second to none yeah i mean it, it's one of the it's that other component where i'm like this is perfection like you you know you get a heavy what i like to term as a heavy camera mm. like it's it's a lot of it's a lot of tracking and heavy dolly shots like it's not a bunch of uh I think there's some steady cam in there because getting into cells and stuff in the prison would be a really tight fit for a, for kind of a, a big dolly rig. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've kind of a very heavy established camera shots and then his ability to shoot that prison and just, obviously it's a, it's a haunting space to shoot in, but he definitely, makes that an additional character in the way that he, sh he shot it. Like Shawshank's a major character. Like just the, the way it looks, the way it feels this, this movie, I do consider it um, basically perfect. It's just, yeah. I can't find, I can't poke holes in it anywhere. And each of the characters are like fantastic. Like they're different enough that they're really, you know, really interesting on their own. Even the, you know, the BC characters or whatever, they're very, you know, interesting to watch. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is like, oh, if you take that out, you know, it would be run smoother. No, none, none of that whatsoever. This is definitely a movie that is done, like does not need to be revisited by Darabont and be like, let's re-edit it or let's add this or, you know, no, it's it's good just the way it is. Yeah. yeah. And the, the secondary characters are in much like it reminds me of Heat because the secondary talent in this is is really on full display with. You know, guys like William Sadler mm. and Clancy Brown as the 
as the captain. <laughs> He's great. He's so good. Um, it, there's just everybody that's, that might even be on screen for like four or five minutes is just, it's almost like, I don't know how much of it's lightning in a bottle, but it's, it's almost as if the, you know, Tim Robbins and especially Morgan Freeman kind of seem to have set the tone and like caliber of acting that mm -hmm. is going to be, you know, that we're going to establish while we're shooting Shawshank and everybody else just kind of rises to the occasion. And then clearly Darabont has got some sort of secret sauce going here with, with the performances he's getting out of, out of these guys. Um, cause everybody, it, there is not a moment where anybody feels like they're acting. I agree. And this is his first major movie too for, for Darabont. I mean, he had done some like, uh, looking at it, like a video, a TV movie and a short beforehand, apparently like as a director, like, so this is his first outing for a full length feature film that was screened in theaters. But then you Which he was follows a huge, up. huge risk for yeah. them to kind of take. Well, um, and obviously it didn't pay off at first. So, you know, no, no. Can you imagine like you're right out of the gate? More or less, you direct what's widely considered one of the greatest films ever. <laughs> like, and he's never lived up to it. I mean, like, I mean, I really like the Green Mile. I really like the Majestic, but they're definitely not on the same caliber of Shawshank. You know, no, and I think he was always more of a um, writer, yeah, than he was an actual director. But when you're a great writer and you know how to work with actors, and then you hire Roger Deakins, good things happen. Yep, Sam Mendes can tell you that. I mean, he, he came from the, uh, theater background. They pair him up with Roger Deakins, and he's winning Oscars. You don't have to worry about the camera when you hire Roger Deakins. You can just focus on directing actors, which is not every director works that way, right? Like Michael Mann operates camera, you know, Rid you'll see Ridley Scott with a camera on his shoulder. Yep. Um, you'll see James Cameron operate camera and Spielberg occasionally will have the camera, but Darabont, you know, he didn't have to direct that movie this way. He was able to have Deacons worry about what the framing was and the blocking and all that. And so I think it comes through that he's really just getting great performances out of, out of everybody. I feel like Tim Robbins kind of gets overlooked in this movie by Morgan Freeman. Yeah. To a certain extent, but you know, it is, it's, it's Tim Robbins best performance. Hands down. Best performance. Hands down. It's, it's, yeah. and I think people forget like he's kind of an unconventional leading man, but I, I think people forget like how, how good of an actor Tim Robbins is. And he, and he was kind of, you know, late eighties, early nineties were kind of his time to shine. And then it kind of, his career didn't fall off a cliff. It just, he kind of aged out of some roles, I think, but. Well, and he did, he did those like crazy roles, uh, pretty well too, where like he did the leading man, uh, role, but his, his bread and butter was, sorry, uh, was a hundred percent like some of those weirder roles and things. I mean, Bull Durham, um, mm -hmm. the Hudsucker proxy, yeah. You know, uh, high fidelity. I mean, his little, you know, not cameo, he's but his little role in that. Yeah, fidelity, like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's so fantastic he's in so, that. You know, he's always great. But he and he's, played, Mer he's Merlin in Top Gun. <laughs> I always forget that he's in Top Gun. Yeah, uh, yeah, oh, he's uh, he's Mav's rear for the rest of the. the that's rest right of the at the end. But yeah, what he's was, great in Bull Bull Durham. Bull Durham's yeah. really good. I'm looking. Um, there's there's one I liked when he played the bad guy in. 
Um, he was in he was Arlington in, Road. Arlington Road. I hate that movie, by the way. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, he's despicable. Yeah, just absolutely. That movie terrible. is despicable. That's one of those downer ending movies, Arlington Road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, he was in Mystic River. So yeah, I mean he he's had a he's had a diverse career, but yeah, he kind of this is his shining moment, and unfortunately, it wasn't really recognized as such in the moment. But, it, but you know, and I'm not an actor, but I have to say, like, personally, the way I'm wired, I don't need the Oscar. Give me give me a movie. Give me a role like the Shawshank Redemption that I'm the lead in. Yep. And I'm and my legacy is set. Is that movie will be around forever. Mm-hmm. And, and talk about sa- forever. Yeah. And when you said that it, it the popularity grew because it was so cheap to run on television. There's another movie that's beloved. And that's the exact reason why it became so popular is because it just got ran on television for cheap. It's a wonderful life. Ah, yeah. It didn't, nobody saw it when it came out and it just, it got uncovered later and ran for decades. And now it's considered the greatest Christmas movie of all time. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it. Never have been, but I'm also not it's, a huge fan of a Christmas. It's story considered either. the goat. It's the goat Christmas movie, though. That's not debatable. Mm. It's a Wonderful Life. Muppet Christmas Carol done. I'm walking away. You're in the, just, you're uh, in the minority, bro. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Maybe we can do an episode of It's a Wonderful Life versus <laughs> Muppet Christmas, Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, well, with Shawshank, it's fantastic movie. So. You have any final thoughts that you're thinking about with Shawshank that we haven't talked about yet? You know, I probably we probably could talk longer on this movie, but it, the reality is it's been around for a long time and it's it's firmly established, I think, in in most circles as as one of the goat what I call a yeah. goat movie. But I uh, I yeah, there's no excuses at this point for not having seen it. I it's it plays all the time. I feel like it plays on like Turner stations like TNT and TBS and stuff a lot. Exactly. Like they had the rights to run it forever. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it can be a tough watch in places. Like it's Mm -hmm. anytime the lead, you know, crawls through like a mile of poop. That's, I would have thought uh, the one with Brooks or even with uh, Johnny. Well, who's the kid? Oh yeah. No, the Brooks, the Brooks scenes, the most heartbreaking along with the, uh, yeah. The kid that he tutors. Tommy. It's Tommy. Yeah. It's devastating. Yeah, this 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 movie's got some absolute gut punch, emotional gut punch moments, which is what makes the the ending, the payoff so so much better, right? And in that way, it kind of it it emulates life. Mm-hmm. Like the sweet moments in life are sweeter because of all the crap we go through. Yep. Like I don't, I'm not justifying bad things happening, but the reality is, as human beings, like good things are sweeter because the bad is so sour yeah and this movie this movie really portrays that really well but yeah tremendous tremendous film i love now that it's like given its due Mm -hmm. like it is it is in the pantheon now of of great cinema yeah this is one that i feel like it doesn't have to be watched on a big screen but i would i would definitely game to go go to the theater and see it for a re-release yeah especially now that everything's digital that's kind of the beauty of these these digital feeds they're sending the theaters now is, is you have a higher potential of being able to go and watch something like this. But, um, 
I'm trying to give nuggets here on how to save the theater industry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but I think the backlog of great films needs to be, that chest needs to be opened up Mm -hmm. if they want people to, to go back. Um, and smaller and not just worry about and, and stop remaking stuff, please. Oh my goodness. Or, or no, no remake stuff, but remake stuff that was crappy and make it but better. There's no, that's not how, that's not how a Hollywood suit thinks though. Like okay. they're like, Oh, it was, it failed. Cause it was crap. The story's crap. No, but look at oceans 11, oceans 11, the original mm-hmm. rat pack one yeah. eh, at best, Yeah, you no, know? know, and then, but you know, at some point they're going to remake this movie. Oh, which will be terrible. And I will not. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, My only final, final thought. Yeah. Is get busy living or get busy dying. dying. Yeah. Well, there's, there's great life messages in, in Shawshank too. That's, that's one of the, that's another, it's one of the parting, parting thought for why I love this movie so much is, is the message. And it's not, it's not a message sugarcoated. (laughs) No, it's very much there. This is what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, Well, appreciate everybody tuning in and listening again. Al, can you tell everybody what they need to do? Well, if you all want to talk to us online, we are at the Facebooks and the Instagram, but the only place you can watch us is at YouTube. The handle's always at Cinema A to B. I always forget that. On YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. That's the easiest way to find it. And we appreciate you uh, listening in on another episode. Thanks, everybody.